0: 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we've been here for three weeks. Sorry everybody, we're trying to find the sweet spot with the air conditioner. It's either freezing or burning, so I think what we're going to do is we're going to set it to freezing on this side of the room and burning on this side. Sheep and the goats, I'm just kidding. And those of you who are lukewarm in the middle, I better stop something about seriousness, Paul said to Timothy. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 12. You know, we're talking about spiritual gifts. We're talking about spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. And there's either a, a an ignorance of it, or there's a downplaying of it, or there's an overemphasis of it. There's all these different things going on within church culture, within church history, within the church we're looking at, that we're reading. I want you to walk away knowing that you have been blood-bought. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, and when He died on the cross for your sins, He gave you His Holy Spirit. And when he gave you his Holy Spirit, he gave you gifts, at least one, a spiritual gift. And unless that song that we sang comes true, we're going to not discover it. We're going to hold on to it, or we're going to abuse it, or whatever it might be. Lead me to the cross. Lord, rid me of myself. Myself would say, I'm here to serve me. I'm not going to give. I'm not going to seek. But the cross says, I lay down my life for the betterment of others. And I will even step out in faith and embarrass myself because it's greater for me to love and than to, than to not have loved. And so that's how I want us to operate as a church and understand the gifts. And, and again, I'm going to hand out that thing I read by John Piper the other week. Uh, I'll have it for you. I, I thought about it last night. But truly, the emphasis is, the motivation is love. And that is why, in between chapters 12, which talks about the gifts of the Spirit, and chapter 14, where it talks about the most prominent gifts that they were dealing with in Corinth, prophecy and tongues, he sandwiches those with the chapter on love, because the gifts are the vessel, love is what fills it and motivates it, and so no matter what gift gift you have, love has to be the motivation in it, and that's how Jesus operated, and that's how we're to operate, and so I want you to know, the Lord wants you to know that you are his, you're part of this body, you're part of the body of Christ, and we're going to talk about this morning. He has gifted you, and he is longing to uh, use you to be like him, to give and to receive the things of the Lord. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 1-11, Paul just described the gifting given by the Holy Spirit to the church. How awesome. Paul's main point he wants his listeners uh, to know is, are found in uh, verses 4 and 11. He repeats himself. He says, there are different kinds. Verse 4 says, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, chapter four, 12, verse 4 says, there are different kinds of gifts, like there are different kinds of trees, right? But the same Spirit distributes them all. Many different types of gifts coming from the same source, the same waterhead. Same, same person, the Spirit. And again in verse 11, all these, after he gets done describing them, some of them, all these are the work of the one in same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. The emphasis is on the Holy Spirit being that living water, that source from which all the blessings and the gifts flow at the command of Jesus by the will of the Father. To us, his church, to accomplish his will, to build up the body of Christ, to edify the body of Christ, and to show the world the power of God's kingdom and how he works among men. Praise the Lord. Paul wants us to know that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to each believer. And as I just said, are you a believer? Do you fall under the each category? It says right there in Scripture that each believer has a gift. And I would ask you, do you know what your gifting is by the Lord? And if not, don't be discouraged. You have an adventure before you, something you get to discover with the Lord and find out what he has made, handpicked specifically for you. You sit here gifted by God. You might not know it. You might not feel it. The enemy might be messing with your mind, or you might have grown up with a background and said, no, they're all gone. No, the scripture says they're yours, and they're yours today, right now, here. And they're exercised, they're given by grace. Gifts are not earned. I don't even, yeah. Never mind, I was going to go on to gift cards, but that that doesn't work. Okay. (laughs) Gifts are not earned. They're given by the Lord freely, and guess what, they're freely to give. These are not natural giftings, although we use our physical bodies to Uh, natural abilities, I guess, would be to execute them. But the purpose of the gifts, they are given by grace, and it's God's grace, was it 1 Peter chapter 4 we were talking about last week? And they're God's grace to give away. So it's God's grace given away, and then also in Romans chapter 1, we read about Paul says, how I longed to be with you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, No backspace on the scroll, so he continues on. What I mean to say is that so that we might mutually benefit one another. In other words, Paul wanted to be around the believers. Why? So that he could use his gifts. Why did he want to do that? So they would look at him and go, how awesome he was? Because the love of Christ compelled him. He had something within him given by God that he had to give away. He could not hold on to it. I have to teach, I have to serve, I have to give, I have to lay hands on someone, I have to pray for someone, I have to show mercy, it's just, whatever the gift the Lord give you, it's just compelled by love, I must do this, because it's just God's heart screaming out from me. And how does that happen? Through faith, and it's God's grace given out. So that's not natural gifting, that is spiritual gifting. This is God empowering you to do something that you normally would not be able to do without his, him calling you. And yes, it works in with your personality and who you made, made you. And I don't understand how all that works. But I'm looking forward to discovering it more as I continue my walk with the Lord. But they're yours. You're gifted by God in a very hand-picked special gift for this body and for his kingdom on earth. So to clarify and expand on this truth, Paul in verse 12, where we're starting, gives us a physical example of a spiritual principle. I always, when I'm in a conversation with someone and I don't understand what they're saying, I said, give me an example. Show me how that plays out. And I'm constantly doing that. And people go, you know, sometimes they think I'm, you know, going, well, you know, don't you get what I say? It's like, I really don't. I'm not that smart. It has nothing to do with you and your communication skills. I need a picture. Tell me a story. Draw me a chart. And so he does this, Paul does this masterfully throughout his teaching career because I think he was this way in learning. He says, verse 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Spiritual principle. You want to know what Christ is like? He is one, he is united like a body, but he has many parts. And we see that in ourselves. And so Paul's saying, okay, we're taking this physical example to show you something spiritual. He's, He's drawn this conclusion. So Paul says, being born into the family of God, being in Christ, being adopted by the Lord, being drawn into this family is like being a part of a physical body. It's like all of a sudden you've got this arm that connects to this body. Hey, there I am. Or in my case, a pinky toe. It doesn't work too much. You're part of the body of Christ. Again, what we are part of spiritually, the interdependency, the purpose, the function, the goal, all of it is similar to a physical body. that's what Paul's drawn at. The church in Corinth, it was a really diverse group of people They had all the spiritual giftings and so you had people speaking in tongues. There was prophecy. There was healing. There was all this stuff going on in the context of their body life. Pretty dynamic. They all had spiritual gifting yet it was not functioning in unity. It was not certain. Too much emphasis were being put on some things. Some things were being totally neglected. And Paul's trying to write this body that's just walking around going crazy. He's trying to bring it into harmony with the Spirit of the Lord. And that's His teaching. Again, the emphasis on the unity. And so just as your body is made up of many parts, and they are united in the body, so it is with Jesus, of whom we are followers and members of His body. And when we are unified in one spirit, when we're working with all our giftings, it glorifies Jesus Christ. And it's, a har- it's in harmony, and it's beautiful, and this, the will of God goes forward. This is not a one-man team amen? This is not a spectator sport. You have been drafted. <laughs> Willingly, I guess. So you have been, You've given up your lives to follow this. And so, just for extra credit, quite often in the scripture, the Lord refers to us as believers in different ways. You remember the different ways? Like, so Paul's constantly or jesus or peter someone's trying to constantly give us a picture remember the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven is like 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 and he uses farming and he uses all these other things he's taking physical examples to try to give you a spiritual picture paul will often say hey you're the bride of christ and so you're the who we are is often pictured as a bride and that has a whole bunch of uh, things associated with it that Paul's trying to teach. You're also looked at as a building. It's like, oh, great, I'm a building. And w- in, in, in the Jewish mind, they would go, oh, the temple, there it is. Well, the Spirit of God dwells in the temple. We're all built up. God dwells in our midst. So we're not a physical building. We are the church. The church is not this building. We are the church, amen? So he uses that example. He'll say you're like sheep in a pasture, Jesus would talk about. Are you really sheep? No, you're not sheep. You're people. But we have sheep-like qualities, believe it or not. And lastly, right now, he's talking about you're a body. And that's the one we're talking about. When we, when he talks about when you're a body, it's often how we interrelate with one another. What are, what are our roles and functions within the body? How do we relate to the Lord? What do we do? How do we function? And often Revolves around the Spirit. So when a person is born again, that is when they believe that the Lord Jesus died for their sins, they rose again, and He rose again on the third day. When they believe this by faith, they are born again and are immediately made in a new creation. They're given the Holy Spirit as proof until they see God, and they are immediately placed into the fellowship of believers, the family of God, the body of Christ. How many of you have given your hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, you are Lord, I am not. I believe you died and rose again on the third day. You are part of the body of Christ. You were translated from darkness into light and you are now a father's kid. You're part of his family, part of the body of Christ and you have a specific function and a specific gifting that he wants to teach you and show you. Why? For his glory. That's what he made you for. And when we, when the scriptures speak of the church as a body, again, it's mainly focused on the gifts and roles and how we relate to one another in Christ and those gifts. Romans 12 for homework, Ephesians 4, and here in 1 Corinthians 12 are the big ones. So verse 13 is that emphasis. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, And whether you're Jews or Greeks or slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. What makes us one is the Spirit of God now residing in our hearts, and this overrides whatever previous cultural backgrounds you had, wherever you came from, from San Diego, from Walla Walla. I've been in the jungles of the Philippines, and taught people couldn't even, we couldn't even speak the same language, but guess what? We were family. And there was a koinonia of the heart. There was a meeting of our spirits because guess what? We had one thing in common. Jesus Christ was our Lord and that was my dear brother and sister sitting across from me. No whether I could understand them or not. There was a, just a love we had for one another. And there was just a longing for them to give whatever they had and for us to graciously receive. And how can we help you? And there's this thing happening and that is amazing in the body of Christ. I love that. And so Paul's saying, no matter where you are, whatever your background was from, he's not discounting those interesting qualities. He says, but we all have one unity, but we're all different in our giftings. This is not to where, this is not uh, our modern term of equality where everybody does everything that everybody else can do, which is lunacy. Equality means we are equal in Christ Jesus, and we all have diverse and amazing roles within the body of Christ. How awesome! That is great. We're a family. So we have unity through Jesus Christ and His Spirit, yet we're diverse, we're different. With, each func- with the different functions and gifts that are in the context here, that's what He's talking about. Yet those gifts are for the purpose of glorifying the head of our body. Jesus Christ and building up the body, each uh, each other for that purpose. This morning, if you place your trust in Jesus as savior, savior, no matter where you've been from, been whatever your culture is, guess what? You're in the family. You're united by grace. You're now in the spiritual family, and Jesus wants you to know that you have a critical part in His family, in this church, this little local version of His family. You do this morning. And you've been strategically placed and gifted by God's Spirit for its well-being, our well-being, and for our health. And the body of Christ, yes, it's global. Is it not? Like I said, jungles of the Philippines. But does God concern you with the jungles of the Philippines primarily right away? Yes, through prayer, but how does it live out? In the family he's placed you in. Here we are. Christ Community Fellowship. This is where he has a start. You're called to a specific function here. It's the Spirit who has placed you. It's the Spirit who empowers you and equips you, often through the giftings and through the leadership, and he works through us, the Spirit within the church. But he's placed you here. He's gifted you. It's your brothers and sisters to whom you're going to serve and build up through your gifting. It's the Lord who is glorified, and so you have a place in this church. We want you to know that. And this body will not function properly without you. It does not work without you. It does not glorify. Neither does, if, you know, your right eyeball decides to take you know um, five months off. How you doing? not very fun depth perception problems things come from one side and we're going to get into this This is what paul's talking about so you are essential you are essential a spirit-filled spirit-led you is essential i want to emphasize that spirit-led spirit-filled you is essential that's what has to be amen so God wants you to know that as a son or a daughter of his, you have been given at least one spiritual gift to be used right here in this body. Right here in this body. Amen? As 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given for the common good. Spiritual gift, not a natural gift, although God will use your hands and feet in running, all that stuff, but he's given you a spiritual gift, something to build up each other's faith, And how does that happen? Yes, teaching. Yes, tongues, interpretation. Yes, prophecy, all those things. Helping, the gift of helps, the gift of administration, and the other kinds of gifts, like trees in the forest, multiple different kinds for multiple different purposes. Amen? Now, when we discover what our gifting is, there can be the danger that Paul's going to address here. The first is that either we find out where God has placed and gifted us in the body of Christ and we become discontent or jealous of others. That's one tendency. You find out God, who God has made you and gifted you and in your mind you have a hierarchy of what is best and because you're not what is best in your mind you become discontent, you become despondent, You withdraw, whatever it might be, that's one tendency. Great, I'm an appendix. We all know an appendix has no purpose whatsoever. It's archaic. Thanks, Lord, for making me an appendix. You know? Wonderful. So there's that tendency and all the pitfalls that go along with that train of thought. So Paul's going to talk about that. But the second danger is the tendency would be to know your spiritual gift and think that everyone who doesn't have the same gift is nothing. Spiritual pride. Many of you struggle with that. I don't. Just want to make that clear. I'm the brain. You need to be a brain too. If you're not a brain, you don't have a purpose. It's so prideful to even assume you're a brain, right? But you know what I'm saying? So there's, this, there's these two things that go back and forth. And that's not to say that we aren't all called to certain things, and this needs to be emphasized. I think our, our hearts and our minds go, oh, great, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so therefore I don't have to share Jesus with anybody. I'm just going to go over here and... No, we're all called to share our faith in, season, and out. We're all called to be disciples of Jesus Christ, sharing the gospel by how we live, what we say, what we do, and with our mouths and our actions. We're all called to that. Are we exempt from loving one another? That's just not my gift. How about having mercy on people? I just don't feel Matt the Merciless. Let's go with that, you know? <laughs> not my gift. Go see this person. You get wrath when you talk to me. You know, what I mean, no, we're all called to be merciful. So don't get me wrong, but these are, the Lord is extremely gifted people in this, these areas. You see, it's exponential. It's something that's just above and beyond. You look at them, and you go, man, that is an encourager. If I need, if I'm going through a hard time, I'm, I'm this is the person I am talking to, because when they speak, they're not just telling me what I need to hear, they're, they're listening, they're hearing, and they're, and they're pointing out the hope there is in the Lord, and they're pointing you to the scriptures, and they're, and they're encouraging your faith. They're not just psychologizing something, they're encouraging your faith. See, the spiritual gifting. You're like, wow, and you walk away from that with something that says, it's going to be okay, and this is the truth I need to hold on to to move towards, and, and you walk away edified, encouraged, built up. You see? A gifting that happens. It's, it's beautiful. But there's a the tendency to go one or the other way. And so Paul's going to talk about that. And the first he's going to address in that is now if the, sh- if the foot, verse 15, should say, Because I'm not a hand. I'm not a hand, man. Hands are so cool. They're seeing all the time I'm stuck in a sock. This is not what I wanted. (laughs) I do not belong to the body because I am not that hand. I know we're joking, but some of you feel like that. Some of you feel like that. I have felt like that. Anyone else? When you're around extremely, like, say, gifted people, which I, like, I'm around a lot of you. I like, go, oh, man, I wish I had the ability to organize like that. Man, I wish I was faithful like that. Man, look at them. And you know, and you just go, wow, what am I? Gosh, I'm, I'm not that. And then guess what? Then the enemy comes in and goes, yeah, you know what? You're not that. And spiritual warfare comes in. And he starts pushing you down and slamming you on. Instead of you going, who am I, Lord Jesus? What do you say about who I am? We start listening to everybody but the head of the body. So there's that tendency we discover our spiritual gifting, not to be satisfied with what the Spirit has made you or me to be within the body and gifted you to do within the body. And it appears that the church in Corinth had a great emphasis upon two of the gifts at the expense of the rest. They really liked prophecy and they liked tongues. You know what? God really likes prophecy and he really likes tongues. Did you know that? You see where the enemy would come in and go, oh, well, that's just, forget about those. No, they're ours. Awesome. But the culture they were in was all about the orator in speaking and how well they could call up facts and factoids and debate things and so those gifts from the culture around them, it seemed like that was naturally emphasized within their church. And that's not necessarily what the Lord was having to have happen. We will read later that Paul says, Exercise prophecy, like seek prophecy above all things, but the reason behind it was not the reason why they were going for it. They were going for it because knowledge puffs up and Paul was saying go for it because it is the gift that builds up the most. It's love. So go for that one if you can. Different reasons. See, the enemy will come in and say one thing and warp what God has created for a different reason and then ver- therefore we come in and we devalue it and we lose out on the very gifts that God has, us, has for us. I don't want you to miss out on anything. So if God's made you ability to speak in tongues and giving you that gift or to interpret or to prophesy, don't shy away from that. That's yours in the Lord. Stand in it. Step out in faith. Praise the Lord. Amen. Blood-bought gift yours, gifted you, picked you out for that. Stand in it. But your danger is to operate without love. That's the pitfall. And so that's what Paul's hitting at. On those. So there's this emphasis in this church to emphasize certain gifts, and there will be in every church culture. Why do you think we, you know you, know, you know, you poke fun at the charismatics. Oh, look at the charismatics. They're all about the Holy Spirit. And so you're going to one of those services, and what are people going to do? They're going to speak in tongues, and they're going to prophesy, and everybody goes, oh, they're just, you know, forget that. People are really operating in the gifts of the Spirit sometimes now how they might use them might not be biblical and that needs to be addressed with the church leadership but we could flip it out back on this four out of five times we see the holy spirit fall upon a group of believers guess what people are doing speaking in tongues by that ratio what do we do with us who's more biblical so i'm just throwing that out there okay just <laughs> devil's advocate no not really sorry you know <laughs> what i mean backspace. What I meant to say. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of that on Judgment Day. <laughs> oh, Lord. Now, if the foot. So they they got all the focus and the attention, perhaps, on those gifts of mercy and helps and things like that are, are not being emphasized within the church. And those people, those giftings are feeling like like a foot. Now, If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I I don't belong to the body, man. I'm not speaking in tongues, and I'm not a prophet, or I'm I'm not super teacher or evangelist or whatever it might be. It would not be for that reason that you would stop being part of the body. Did you know that? You are a part of the body. Did you know that? I don't want to be a foot. I don't want to be stuck in a hot sock in the middle of summer. It stinks. I want to be a hand. That's the life I can be free and be seen and stuff. So Corinth, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a part of the body, Corinth might, people in Corinth might say. If I can't do that, then I'm not a part of this. And they get discouraged, and they stop functioning in their gifts altogether, and they stop interacting with the body. Well, what happens when the foot decides not to participate? What happens when the foot starts... Any of you have a foot that's deciding not to participate? (laughs) I've got part of a foot that's deciding not to participate right now. Like my right half of my right foot is like numb-ish. Like I felt the twinge in my back. And I'm like, this is not fun. I don't like where you're going. I had no thoughts about that part of my body. Did you know that? I never look down and go, hey, how you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> I see that you're doing your job and everything's functioning well, but when it stopped the function, guess what happened? <laughs> hey, what's going on? I need you. Stop it. Get back on. I, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how much I care for you. Okay, I will go out and spend the extra dollar for shoes. You know, it's like whatever i will take it easy. Perfect example of this. A great example that I was reminded of. Well, the point is, when it stops working, all the attention gets put on the fact that we, we have a difficult time going on where any part when the foot wants to be the hand and it's not functioning as it, as it should. There's this desire to be something else when God created it to be it. And when, when we don't function, when we're looking to others as to what we should be primarily or coveting other gifts, and we're not focused on what the head is telling us to be and to do, we got problems. In our own hearts and, and souls, and as a body of, the body of Christ, we got problems, amen? And you've got one foot deciding to go over here, and we've got problems pretty soon this is why it's so important for each of us to be connected with the head that is Jesus Christ who tells us who we are in him and what we are to do. My sheep hear my voice. Jesus has to tell you. He has to speak to you and to let you know. And quite often how he does that is through the body of Christ. But you also have to have a relationship where you're seeking Him and asking Him, What are my gifts? What is my purpose? What am I? And whatever I am, empty of myself, whatever you call me to be, I would be worthy to be the, the sole of the foot. Whatever you call me to, to be, to support what you've called me to do for your kingdom, for your glory, not for mine, just whatever you want, I will be. And as you're in that heart relationship with the Holy Spirit and, and, and there's just this openness and brokenness, doors are going to open, you're going to step through it and you're going to find out who you are. It's awesome. A great example that I was reminded of, as I mentioned just a minute ago, is Peter in John chapter 21, right after Jesus reinstated Peter. After, G, after Peter denied Jesus three times, what did he say? I'll never deny you. I'll never deny you. I'll never deny you. And then he goes, I deny you, deny you, I deny you. When Jesus comes back, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. do. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, right? (laughs) Paraphrasing. I got it wrong. Yes, feed my lambs was one of them. (laughs) And so, verse 17, John 21, after Jesus just told him what to do, feed my sheep. Peter, yeah, Peter's like me. He needs a very clear, bold message. What do I do, Lord? (laughs) I'm not very smart. Feed my sheep. Okay, what do I do, Lord? (laughs) Feed my lambs. What do I do, Lord? Feed my sheep. Very clear. Go give them my word. Feed my lambs. Verse 17 of John 21, Jesus says, Feed my sheep. And just as Jesus just told them to do that, the third time, there's tears happening. (laughs) Verse 18, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, Jesus said, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate by what death would Peter would glorify God. And then he said to Peter, follow me. Follow me, Peter. Feed my sheep. You're going to die for it. Follow me. Couldn't have been any more clear. Next verse. Peter, you know, keep your eyes on me. Feed my sheep. Follow me. Couldn't be any more clear. Verse 20, the next verse. Peter turned. Peter. And he saw this disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Follow me. And he, Peter's walking and goes, turns around, looks the other way. Look, it's his eyes on John. What does he say to John? Peter saw John. We know it's John. He asked him, Lord, what about him? What about the hand over there? I don't want to do this stinky thing. What about him? Perhaps. And Jesus says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. Foot, follow Jesus. Hand, follow Jesus. Mouth, follow Jesus. Don't worry about what he's called someone else to do and to be. And thus God's called you to edify or courage. And, but we're talking about who am I? What's my calling? What's my part in all this? You follow me. We get in trouble when we start saying, well, what about him? How does he stack up to what you've called me to do? How does she stack up? Jesus would say, what's that to you? You follow me. Be a faithful foot. I've made you to be a foot. There weren't they weren't made for what I've made you for. Don't worry about them. I made you specifically for this, this purpose. You can bear the weight. They can't. You can take the stink, they can't. You can keep going all day. They can't. But you've got trade-offs. Are you, dis- are you dissatisfied with your calling this morning? Do you want to be gifted with something else? The first thing I would ask you is, how's your walk with Jesus? How's your connection with the head? how is your connection with the head? What's he been saying to you versus what the world's been saying to you or what culture's been saying to you? How is that connection with, with Jesus? What's he been saying to you? Who are you? What have I called you to do? Some of you, like me, sometimes you go, I don't know. That's all the more reason to be connected with the head, amen? Make it a priority. Now, if it is so, it could be very well be that he's expanding or changing your ministry within the body of Christ. How many of you, that's changed a lot over the years? <clears throat> I'm not leading worship 15 times a day, like I was before, but can I? Yes, I do, and I will always be available to do that, but I'm not. Praise God, he's raised up, you know, Larry and Remy and other people who've helped out, you know what I mean? Much needed, because guess what? My voice is given out. I don't know what it is. We're going to find out. But the body comes in and it takes things from you and you've got to let them go and you find out what are you doing. So there's a sensitivity to the spirit but it can't be motivated by jealousy or, what, or, or, or attention or acclaim or the limelight it has to be, Lord, what do you want? What are you doing? What's going to glorify you? <coughs> we can end up taking on things and positions that we're never spiritually gifted nor placed by God to do and end up being a hand coming out of a nose and a nose being in your shoe. And those were not designed to do that. Anyone? I found that when I begin to do that, I realized pretty soon that this does not fit, and I'm not gifted for this, but my brother and sister is. And that's not a means of discouragement. That can be God directing you and showing you how it is. And so you want to find out who you are in the Lord. Start stepping out. And if God blesses it and there's peace, not that you will have all the answers or gifting right away or know how to do everything, but if the Lord's peace is there and people are testifying, if there's fruit, keep walking in it. If not, reassess. Reassess with godly people who will tell you the truth, not tell you what you want to hear. Oh, you make a great foot when you're actually supposed to be an ear. You know? So... All right, <clears throat> moving on. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. You're still a part of the body, a very vital part. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in, the, in fact, the God, has placed many, God has placed many parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. And if they're all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body, and this is what he keeps emphasizing. We have each been placed at CF for a specific gift and role by God. Notice verse 18, God has placed you just where he wants you to be as he determines, verse 11. God's will is for you to discover that place and to operate in it, in it by faith. And so, <clears throat> please do. So, on one hand, we can be dissatisfied where God's places. us. On the other hand, uh, we can very well know our place and have spiritual pride and and a feeling of autonomy and I don't need anybody else. Some of you are givers and have a hard time receiving. Anyone have that? you got the gift of giving. You love to give, but boy, you don't receive. But you know what? You're ripping off the body of Christ when you don't allow people to give to you. Did you know that? Repent. It's humility. Some of you just keep sucking the life out of everything, and you need to stop giving, go get a job and work, amen? It goes both ways. Uh, I don't have anybody in mind, but I'm just saying society. Like I said, there's a day for, to clear all this up. <coughs> so, that second scenario, spiritual pride. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. And so there's this very real danger of pride within the body of Christ. And this usually happens with people who are gifted in speaking positions and people who are, you know, pastors and teachers or prophets or, you know, positions of power in the church. It happens. So do you think you, you could possibly be praying for me in this area? Yeah, of course. Who isn't susceptible to that stuff? You know, you might have even extensed it from me. And I probably had not even known it was going on. Lord, help. That's where the body of Christ comes along and goes, Hey, brother. The exhortation comes up, the encouragers come up. It's pretty cool. <clears throat> But this is one part of the body saying to the other part, I don't need you. And Paul makes it clear, yes, you do. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Using the picture of a body, this makes total sense. The eye can see, but for what purpose without hands? It can't take a drink of water, put put on glasses, or put on contacts, reach for something, defend, protect, comfort. The eye needs hands, does it not? The head can it can talk, it can think, it can communicate, it can hear, it can see. It's very important. But guess what? Nothing's going to happen if you don't have feet to walk. And we know there's, you know, wheelchairs and all that stuff. That's not what we're talking about. The picture is what we're talking about. That the body of Christ is not going to function without us working together. And spiritual pride says, "I don't need anything else. I'm it." And you struggle with that. You don't need to raise your hands. Now he says, verse 22, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. One of my favorite football players to watch over the years has been Antonio Gates. I know he got caught juicing this year, but just forget about that. But he's just awesome tight end. Awesome. I mean, you just watch him. It it is amazing to watch this future Hall of Fame, run, and, I mean, just massive man, finally tuned, run around, knock and think, grab him. I mean, just amazing to watch. And I know that UC Ox fans have someone you watch. I don't know who it is. <coughs> That's why this pulpit's here today. I can, right here, I'm good. No, but seriously, and what in the world, you're sitting there and all of a sudden you realize he's not on the field. Why isn't he on the field? He's not on the field for... Almost the entire season. Why? Turf toe. <laughs> Come on, toughen up. I can't go play football because I got turf toe. What is that? Well, any person who's athletic knows that that's when the ligaments around your the ball, the ball of your toe joint get. Stretched out to won't won't work. And guess what? No matter how big, how strong, how mighty, how much focus you have, how much money you got in your pocket, all that stuff, you are not playing football on Sunday because you cannot push off. Turf toe. Do we have turf toe? I'm just saying. In the military, they teach you to take care of your feet. Blisters mean death. You know, John Wooden, one of the most, I love that guy. I mean, just amazing basketball, uh, college basketball coach of all time. He taught his players, these people highly skilled, just people who would come in and and they're going to be the best in the world. And guess what? He lined them up and taught them how to put their socks on. Didn't make a difference who they were. He taught them to put on their socks because you're, you can be all that, but you get a blister on your foot. You don't have to take care of your feet. You're not playing basketball and we're not winning a championship. It's not happened. Fundamentals. Simple things. The things that are we esteem not, yet they take special attention. Our foot. How many of you work on your feet all day. $10 pair of shoes, do it? You know, insoles. The right pair of shoes, you're just going to put out the extra money because guess what? The operation is shutting down. You can't, you're not going to be able to do the long game unless those things are taken care of. And so you spend the extra money on the shoes. You buy the insoles. You make sure your feet are taken care of. And that's the thing. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Again, that picture of our feet. We think less. We pay extra money for those shoes. And the parts that are unhonorable, Presentable are treated with special modesty. And I know the word w- modesty is there, but it's a special treatment. It's the same word. And the unpresentable parts, parts that can't be seen, have special treatment. While the presentable parts have no special treatment, it has the idea of a soldier at war, and that's what they're doing, a soldier at war. You cannot see your heart you cannot see your lungs, you cannot see your brain, you can't see your vital organs, but guess what's when you go out to battle, guess what's gonna be covered up? You're gonna have armor on those things because if they get hit, you're done. I can lose a hand and still possibly survive, or lose a nose, or whatever it might be. Lose an eye, I know I'm getting graphic. But you can lose these things and still gone, but you get run through your lungs, you get your heart gets hit, your liver gets hit, you're done. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts are in need of no special treatment. A helmet covers the skull. Body armor protects the vital organs. A shield covers the midsection, but the arms and legs, they're, they're free to move. So there's no reason for pride in the body of Christ. Pride is saying, I don't need you. That is the opposite of what, of our, what our spirit should be and what the Holy Spirit has unified us for. We should have a heart to say, I'm here to give you all that God has given me by the grace of God, and receive all that God has given you by the grace of God. We're interdependent fully. And here's what Paul's saying, bringing it back to the body of Christ, verse 24b, in closing. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. And so there should be no division in the body, but that is the part should have equal concern for each other. Do we have equal concern for each other this morning? No matter if it's Matt up here, yay, in a public position, seen a lot, woo-hoo. Equal concern in the body of Christ. My gifting is for your benefit. Your gifting is for my benefit. Do you think I can survive without you? The answer is No. I am a wretched man in need of the body of Christ to sustain me and to help me with your giftings so that I can continue to give to you. And it's not about me. It's about let's get off the stage and down and start living life for one another and being each other's lives, amen? You're it. You're the plan. And the world will know and they will see him when we love one another another. How do we love one another? With the gifts of the Spirit, the koinonia that He's given us. And we use love as our motivation for doing those things. And God will supernaturally, naturally lead us. So let me just read these last verses. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. My L5S1 is acting up right now. Guess what? My entire body suffers. When one of you suffers, when you lose something, one of you hurting, guess what? We're all suffering. The focus goes on that. When one is honored, all is honored. Amen? Drink a cool drink of water and in a hot day, the whole body gets filled. When something great happens to someone, we're all like, oh man, praise the Lord. Now you, and this is the spiritual point, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Underline it, highlight it, memorize it. You are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church. And now he explains, first of all, apostles, second prophets, their teachers, the miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different tongues. We'll talk about those next week before, as we move into the next chapter. We've talked about most of them so we'll just be brief. And then he goes in verse 29, hey, are all apostles? How many of you are all apostles here this morning? Okay, not are all apostles? Not all. I don't see many hands, right? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? I don't see. Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? These are all rhetorical questions. And so my, and the next one is what? Do all speak in tongues? No. But I thought that tongues, you had to speak in tongues in order to have the Holy Spirit. Well, not according to Paul. Just like all these. Do all interpret? No. Paul's saying, not one of you is everything. And he says to this, he, he ends it by two verses. He says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. He wasn't just saying that there aren't more benefits to some gifts than the other, did he? He's saying that God is a God who is unified in the gifts, just as in certain relationships or certain roles in companies seeing people take on more things than the other. The world we live in is madness, where we think we're all equal in what we do. It's not true. And to recognize our part in it and to do the best for the benefit of others is what gives God the glory. Not to desire to be the greatest, but to be the servant of all. So it's desire. Eagerly desire the gifts. Eagerly desire the gifts. And this is the thing I gave out with him last week with uh, John Piper. Do we have the desire to seek God for the gifts? Do we even have it eagerly desire, earnestly desire. And the next verse does not negate the previous verse. He says, yet I will show you a most excellent way. He's not saying, forget everything I just taught you. He's saying, eagerly desire, and yet I'm going to show you how to use what I've just told you. And that's going to be chapter 13, the love chapter. And then he goes back into the gifts and we'll hit tongues, and we'll hit prophecy, and then we'll scoot on out of 1 Corinthians. Amen? God, pour out your Spirit, we ask, upon your church, not that we might bring glory to ourselves, but that we would love one another with the giftings you've given us, and the world would see that you are alive in us, and our love is real, and I pray that you would convince hearts that love is seeking you for the gifts. Love is asking to be filled with your Spirit so that we could give, give in some way, and help us to be humble to receive in that same light, Lord. And so this morning, I pray that you would stir up the desire in your church to seek you for those gifts, and to operate with them, and to step out of them in faith, and to recognize spiritual warfare, and to have other people confirm, and encourage, or direct, within the body of Christ, that you might be glorified ultimately, that the church might be about the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives right here and out into the world around us. Empower us by your spirit. There's no other way this happened. Our natural abilities, our our organizing of our armies, nothing will happen apart from your spirit. We need you desperately, Lord Jesus. You're here. You've said you've given it to us. And so I pray for the women's retreat, that it would be done in the power of your spirit, that women would not decide whether to go or not to go based upon what they want, but based upon what you have said. Lord, you're the head. Where do I, do I go or do I not go? And there would be no guilt trip about it or whatever it would be. And same with serving, same with everything else. That it would just be all about your will, Lord. And we love you. Thank you for saving us. And we, we ask that you would open our eyes to this concert that's happening this week. People who are wandering around our city. And may, Lord, instead of being recluses and, and sitting away from people, we would actually go, there's a, lo- there's a lost fest happening. And be right in the middle of it. Lord, you know I want to go be away from everything forever but let us be involved in some way, whether it's praying for or going out there and speaking or whatever it might be, God, let's engage with darkness and let us be victorious in your name. In the name of Jesus, amen.